0: My name is Beth Sandy. I am an oncology nurse practitioner in the Cancer Center at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, Um, and I'm glad to be here to talk about this topic about taking our loved ones to the doctor.
1: Thank you, Miss Sandy, and thank you again for taking the time to talk about this important subject. So um, why is it important that we take or encourage our loved ones to visit the doctor?
0: I think is the obvious. I mean, I work in oncology, but this is really more down to the primary care level. Um, you know, um, anyone can have medical problems, including myself. This is a joke that we have sometimes in the medical community is like, well, I'm my own nurse practitioner or I'm my own doctor. I'm not, I see a nurse practitioner because not all of us specialize in each different thing. So, you know, um, I think my doctor wanted to check my vitamin D level and I was like, well, what are you going to do about that? If it's low, you know, so it's, you know, I think we need to explain to our loved ones that, you know, the doctor's not a bad person. They're out to look out for you. Um, and there are so many things that can easily be done to manage, um, you know, even the most minor to even significant um, health problems at this point. So, um, you know, and, you know, we should practice what we preach. We are in the medical community. So, you know, it's important for us for our own loved ones to take advantage of medical care that's available just as um, anyone else
1: would. Definitely. And how would you approach encouraging our loved ones to take the step to make that appointment and particularly for individuals who are seemingly healthier against visiting the doctor?
0: Well, You know, this gets, there's a lot of questions within that. So I think the first one is taking the step to make an appointment and you know, I think it's fair game to warn people that you may have to deal with a menu. You may have to press one, two or three, whatever it is to say, hey, just call the phone number. You may have a menu. Bear with it and follow the prompts. Um, and then for the most part, just have your you know, um, insurance information available so that you can um, have that when they're asking that question. So kind of prep them as to what there might be when you make the step to make an appointment. The other side of that is the I'm against visiting the doctor, or I'm healthy. Why do I need to? And that all goes back to again, you may feel healthy, but hypertension. Most people don't feel that, so I always go back to the hypertension as being something that's easily managed and can prevent a lot of chronic illnesses. But you wouldn't feel it, so you may feel healthy and still have hypertension. Now, whether you're against visiting a doctor, that's going to be a different argument. Um, you can ask why, why are you against visiting the doctor? Did you have a bad experience? Do you prefer a male or female doctor? In which case you can request that. Do you have a certain, um, you know, like at the university of Penn, we have certain physicians that are, um, specialized in like lgbtq issues. So do you want to um find a doctor that specializes in that subset of patients? Do you want a doctor who is of your own race or gender? You can request all of these things now. So I think kind of addressing that and getting down to the reason why they're against visiting a doctor is really important.
1: Definitely and I think that's really incredible that UPenn offers that um individualization to your treatment. That's really really incredible. Why are you in particular passionate about this day and this topic? So
0: I think for me particularly uh, two things. Um, one is that I am uh, a nurse practitioner and there's you know a lot of nurse practitioner-led clinics or, or APPs I should say you know uh, PA as well uh, physician assistant as well that lead a lot of these primary care clinics. So um So, you know, the access now hopefully is improving as legislation improves to allow um, advanced practice providers such as nurse practitioners or physician assistants to become involved and um, give you more access. Um, Certainly, if it's something that is of a more sub-specialization, then we would refer you to a physician. So I think it's particular for me because I am a nurse practitioner and this is something that is within our scope. To manage some of these, you know, early line diabetes, hypertension, things that can be, um, you know, well managed and prevent chronic illness. That's number one. Um, I think number two is the fact that in the past two years, um, my mother has been diagnosed with cancer, and my father had a sudden cardiac arrest for which he survived. Um, and you know, these were, you know, issues where both of my parents do their annual doctor's visit. Um, neither one of them had felt any of the symptoms prior to being diagnosed with these diseases. And so, you know, I'm glad that they go to the doctor every year. Um, but perhaps they may have needed more testing or someone to look after them more. You know, I, they live many states away from me. I don't live close to them. So it's not something where I can see them every day. Um, so I think all of us can relate to that and having, you know, whether it's aging parents or whomever it is. Um, that you know, this isn't. This is something that we can say. There, these these things are available to you. And if not, if there's an insurance barrier, look into that. There are other types of insurances or ways to get access to primary care, especially.
1: Definitely, and thank you for sharing that with us. Um, speaking on the topic of insurance, um, do you have any advice on how to navigate the financial anxiety individuals may experience when? Um, going to make a doctor's appointment.
0: Yeah, even I have financial anxiety going to make an appointment. Um, you know, I'm getting physical therapy right now for my ankle and I have a $20 copay every time I go. So if I go twice a week, that's $40 a week, my goodness, I'm adding like a car payment onto my, you know, so these are, th- but I, I know about this upfront and I can sort of, you know, plan for this. And I think that's the biggest thing here is plan for it. Call your insurance plan ahead of time and say, is this covered? To what extent is it covered? Look at your card; it will say your copay for primary care and what your copay is for um, a subspecialist. Um, you know, such as seeing oncology. Like when you come to my office, we're considered a specialist, so your copay might be higher for a specialist than it is for primary care. What about screening? Almost all screening in the United States is free, and because that's been a mandate to say that you know things like mammograms save lives and it actually benefits the insurance company for you to get your screenings so that they have to pay less when, um, you know, rather than you getting diagnosed at a later stage. So a lot of that are federal laws that some of these things should be free to you. Um, also know your deductible, especially early in the year. So, you know, January, February, March, some people haven't met an out-of-pocket deductible. And sometimes, you know, until you meet that, some of these things won't, um, you know, fall into place with full coverage. So I would call your plan and just ask,
1: Definitely. And um, you began to mention oncology and screening. So I just wanted to ask you regarding oncology patients in particular, why is it important that we help and encourage them um, to continue going to the doctor to stay on top of both their screening and treatment?
0: So screening is huge. Um, You know, it's interesting because mammograms, you know, most of us women don't miss our mammograms. And, you know, colonoscopies, people are a little less Likely to do it. It's a lot more prep for sure. It's invasive. Um, you know, there are other things now that can be done for colon cancer screening, such as basically using stool specimens to um, test for blood or abnormalities within the stool um, that's less invasive. You don't have to actually prep for it or go to a doctor. Um, So, but those are things that you can discuss with a primary care doctor or a doctor who's performing screening techniques, Um, you know, other forms that may not be as invasive, you know, as technology improves, we're finding different ways to screen people that are less invasive. Um, The other thing that I always bring up is lung cancer screening, since lung cancer is my subspecialty. Um, The uptake is very low on on lung cancer screening. And, um, you know, CAT scans, low-dose CAT scans are approved as a screening tool annually for patients who are at risk. Now, their at-risk population depends on age. It depends on um, how much you've smoked over your lifetime and how long ago you quit, if you've quit. So there are a lot of parameters that go into the screening. But again, if you see your primary care doctor they should go over what those parameters are. And if you're eligible, make the recommendation. Um, there's absolutely data that shows that screening for lung cancer saves lives, detects it earlier and saves lives, um, just as mammograms and colonoscopies do as well. So um, you know, the best way to stay on top of it though is to visit your primary care doctor.
1: Definitely. And final question that I have for you, How do we combat the potential guilt we may feel when a loved one is diagnosed?
0: Yeah, so I think this is something that is again, personal to me um, because this year my mom was diagnosed with metastatic lung cancer, which is what I do for a living. Um, And I had a lot of guilt at first thinking, wow, how did I miss, you know, whatever signs. And you know, the only symptom that she had was back pain, um, which, you know, my mom is 70. 70 year olds have back pain for lots of reasons, Um, you know, who would thought and, and as a never smoker, it wasn't top priority on my list to think that she would have this. Um, So she wasn't being screened, of course, um, because non-smoking patients are not eligible for lung cancer screening at this time. Um, So, you know, I think I had to let go of that guilt and say, and I want that to be the message of this as well, is that, you know, just because your loved one You know, may develop heart disease or cancer or something like that. You know, you can't force them to go to the doctor, number one. And number two, even if they go every year, there may be illnesses that were not going to be found. They were going to present whether or not you took your loved one to the doctor or whether or not you pressed them. Um, So I think we have to let go of that guilt. We can try as much as you want, but you may have, you know, a father or father in law who says, I hate doctors. I'm not going no matter what you say. Okay you tried, you have to let go of that. You can do all the things that we talked about, talk about reducing the financial anxiety by knowing and planning ahead. You can say, hey, there are doctors that maybe specialize to what's important to your exact needs. Um, you can go through all of these different things and help them make appointments. But in the end, if they're not gonna go and they develop you know, an illness, it's not something that, that we as medical providers you know, for our own loved ones can say, it's my fault. I shouldn't go. We need to let go of that. Um, sometimes, no matter what your best intents are, um, things are going to happen. So, but we can do our best, like all the things that we talked about, um, to get our loved ones to see the doctor. We're not bad people. We really aren't.
1: Definitely, and thank you so much for sharing that and being so open about this topic. Thank you so much for your time today, Miss Sandy, and all your insight.
0: Thank you, Lynn. It was a pleasure.